What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 26 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Stay cool, stay hydrated, stay refreshed with body armor. Today's show, Scoop B joins in. Scoop is the host of Scoopy Radio and the senior writer for B-Ball Society. You might have seen Scoop appear on ESPN, NBA TV, CNN, MSNBC, just to name a few. You can follow Scoop on IG at Scoop underscore B and on Twitter at Scoop B. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Here we are, episode 26, L-A Bound. Let's get into it. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson, uh, the host of the Scoopy Radio podcast and the senior writer at Basketball Society Online. Uh, Scoopy Radio uh, got 2 million downloads last year, uh, 1.5 million this year so far as of July. Uh, we've had anybody from the voice of Siri, DJ Khaled, uh, Mark Cuban, uh, the rapper Too Short, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, uh, the Jamal Crawford, the list goes on and on in a day, but uh, I've been in the business since I was 12 years old, had my start with the Nets, uh, co-host or yeah, co-host and radio show called Nets Slam and Planet with uh, Evan Roberts of WFAN Now and Albert King, for, uh, New York City legend, Bernard King's brother. Um, and, you know, I've been quietly making moves and over the last uh, three, four, five months, the world is beginning to recognize my work even more. So I'm glad to be on your show, man. We played on two celebrity basketball games uh, together the last couple of years, and it's cool to be on your podcast. I'm honored. Yeah, man. It's always fun hooping with you. I think one year we were on the same team, and then one year we were against each other. You stay in the paint a lot. You set a lot of screens. Definitely enjoyed playing yes. with you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, yes, so you, sir. So you were saying your name, uh, the world's opening up, and um, I've seen your tweet floating on ESPN uh, recently. <laughs> What's going on with KD, and what are your sources telling you? Well, uh, so I tweeted uh, Monday or Tuesday, one of these days this week, this week is lying, but uh, a source told me that Kevin Durant uh, and the Lakers have mutual interests, and I, I put use the word confirmed. He confirmed, it was confirmed by a source that Kevin Durant uh, will become a Los Angeles Laker next season. That's big news. Yes. LeBron and KD on the same team. I think they could do it. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I mean, they fit well together. I mean, KD could play off the ball. LeBron could bring it up. But you, how do you think that team is going to fit with Lonzo, um, Rondo, LeBron, LeBron. Stevenson? Um, well, when you look at the Lakers, uh, just first and foremost, the Lakers are a team uh, that has always been able to find. Uh, when you look at Rondo, Rondo, uh, Brian Scalabrini told me recently is the smartest basketball player that he's ever played with. Wow. Uh, that's high praise yeah. uh, for, for the point guard, Rajon Rondo. I think Rajon Rondo, when you looked at him in, in New Orleans, uh, he was able to find spots on the floor for guys. Uh, and I think when you 
got big hands, just can't shoot free throws for, for crap. But uh, I think he'll work on that. You know, I think he'll be able to find players on the floor and get them involved. If, you know, if, if KD does come, which, you know, all sources indicate that that is true, um, he'll be able to find KD and LeBron on the floor. And I think LeBron, LeBron would be everything that Mario Chalmers was not in Miami for, for LeBron and Dwayne Wade years ago. Um, when you look at LeBron, we know what LeBron can do. And I think it's interesting because when you look at this season on the Lakers, LeBron does not – LeBron is very ball dominant. You know that. Right. Uh, he likes to hold the ball, bring the ball up, do do all those things and, and initiate the offense through him. Uh, LeBron is going to have to back up off the ball a little bit. Right. Um, and, and, and let guys create. And that's the cool thing because when LeBron – the move for LeBron to go to the Lakers, uh, I think the weapons that he has on the floor now is something I don't think he's ever really, really had. You know, I think every team he's played on has had to depend on him so much in certain ways. I think that LeBron's move to L.A. preserves him. 100%. Uh, you've got Kuzma, who's going to be a, a, just a, a freak of nature on that, on that team. I think Brandon Ingram uh, is a guy that – I call him baby KD. That lazy style of play that seems effortless, um, that's going to benefit him. And then um, you, you, when you talk about Lonzo Ball, um, I, I see Rondo was eventually being the starter of that Lakers team, but Lonzo in the second unit can do so much. Right. No, Lonzo, Lonzo is one of those guards that just pushes it up, which might be really good for LeBron. I think they'll fit each other really well. I do too. I, I think there's no such thing as, as too much star power if star power knows how to adapt and get – a million and two touches and so that everybody plays it's a 2k players dream and speaking of lebron man i heard you <coughs> talking about, you were kind of the, one of the first people tweeting and talking about that space jam is confirmed and some of the other guys were a little bit late on it man i heard you flexing on i saw you flexing on twitter man tell us what you know about space jam and lebron <laughs> well uh, the attorney to the party uh, in june uh, initially when i was given the, so i'll back it up for a second in the summer um my sources were telling me Philadelphia and Miami, a return to Miami is where you could consider LeBron going. And I got a phone call. I was walking to a uh, post office and a buddy of mine said, Brandon, I, you got a minute? I said, yeah. We ended up talking on the phone for like two hours. He said, LeBron is not going to Miami or Philly. I said, what are you talking about? So this particular source called me and said, um, told me that LeBron is going to LA. Uh, sponsors needed to know where he was going. LeBron was going to, uh, announce his decision using a Space Jam trailer. And the wow. contents of that trailer were going to be posted on Instagram TV. If you paid attention to Instagram around right around the time like end of July end of June, early July, they and they they had a whole new interface that was on Instagram. Right, right. Of course. Um and so that was supposed to um accommodate what LeBron was was doing. And so um I reported it. The people in Cleveland gave me the business, I'll, I'll be, I'll be PG on here. Gave me a hard time on ESPN radio and a bunch of other places. Now, um, Ron ended up and clutch, clutch agency ended up uh, just sending out a tweet and a press release uh, announcing where he was going. But basically, um, LeBron was supposed to be appearing in a, in a, in a trailer uh, where members of the Warner Brothers cartoon crew uh, were going to uh, be stealing some type of memorabilia in a video. And LeBron was going to save the day and appear in a Lakers jersey. And that was supposed to announce where he was going. Um, and I got a call that basically after LeBron um, and, and his team or what have you uh, found out what I was reporting, they changed the script. Uh, really? 
yeah, they changed the script. You're making people change what they do out here? One of my <laughs> one of the guys on my team said, man, you're ticking off Warner Brothers. They're they going to be mad as hell with you. <laughs> I just put this out there. Warner Brothers, man, I grew up on Warner Brothers. I remember coming home uh, to watch Batman the Animated Series on Fox 5 at 4 o'clock every day. Uh, weekday. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love Tiny Toon Adventures. I love, you know, I love all those classic shows, but that was me as a child and this is me as, a, as an adult. And, you know, I got a call. The funny thing is, I tweeted this Sunday. I got a call uh, from somebody in the know that basically spoke to someone within LeBron's camp uh, sometime last week. And they basically told them that Space Jam was still on. And I tweeted it Sunday. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I saw I, I saw that you that you tweeted it real early before everybody else was on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Clippers a little bit. Uh, Lee Jenkins was hired in the front mm-hmm. office. Uh, he was a sports writer. Very unprecedented move. What are your thoughts on that? I like Lee Jenkins. Uh, obviously, for those who don't know, Lee Jenkins is the person who uh, wrote the As Told By I'm Coming Home piece in Sports Illustrated with LeBron. Right. Uh, Lee Jenkins gets those exclusives with guys. I think that that is just a, um, for, for Lee Jenkins, it's a move that raises the bar. And by that, I mean this. I think a lot of times <clears throat> journalists don't see themselves as brands. They just see themselves as workers. And I think that this is an extension to Lee Jenkins' brand, and it kind of ties into what he does every day. He's basically interviewing players. And when you right. interview players, you're then – getting to know them and getting into their psychological, the way they think, the way they talk, uh, the way they move. And Lawrence Frank is a guy who, you know, obviously who hired Lee Jenkins. Lawrence Frank is a guy that rose up the ranks and, and, and has always been, you know, all the way back to being working under Bob Knight when he was in college and being Calvert Chaney's roommate. And, um, and then, you know, obviously getting cool with Jason Kidd and ultimately became the head coach of the New, then the New Jersey Nets and moved around and did what he needed to do. So I think for Lawrence Frank to, to make a move like that is great. But I, to me, there are certain people in the NBA ranks that are just NBA lifers. When I look at Lee Jenkins, I think of, 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 of uh, Rod Thorne, a guy that Rod Thorne has had multiple roles within the NBA, whether it was drafting Michael Jordan, trading to get uh, Jason Kidd or finding uh, – uh, Allen Iverson for wearing his shorts too long. Uh, right. You, Rod Thorne is a guy that's a lifer. And, and I look at Lee Jenkins the same way. This is just an extension of just um, what he's already done. And and I think that the news organization, the newspaper, or just the media game is changing. It's it's the fact that, and I'll say this, the fact that I was able as an indie to break a story um, on my own platform based upon relationships versus me beating a media company um that kind of shows where the 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 direction of of where sports is going or where just news in general and so i think for lee jenkins a guy who's an og in the game he got a more secure job right so is that something you'd be interested in doing um yeah i I think i would but i i'll just say this to you i don't think i've ever said this publicly um so you're hearing it first right on here we go Just like LeBron is is doing a lot of just different things outside of just basketball, the funny thing is I've always had similar interests as a journalist, and I think that a lot of times when you have so many interests in different things, um, people look at you like you're crazy. I actually have interest in acting. 
I have interest in writing movie scripts. I have interest in sitcoms. I have interest in more than just being a journalist. I know it's more than just be, being a player or more than play, dribbling a basketball. But um, I think that this is a day and age where you can really do multiple things. You know, I've been on a runway for New York Fashion Week. I, I'm a brand ambassador for a multitude of different um, brands. And, you know, you, Michael Jordan and Jay-Z were my muse growing up. And they showed me that I could do those things instead of or in addition to just being a journalist. So um, where you're seeing Lee Jenkins make a career shift um, while I'm in my prime, I would love to have a sitcom. Uh, I would love to have uh, a multitude of different intellectual properties out there. And, and you know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Will Smith. You looked at LeBron James uh, taking a picture with Dave Chappelle and Will Smith um, on Instagram while he was at the, the Triple G fight. Uh, those, are, those are the people who, who inspired me as a journalist to do more than just be a journalist. Yeah, speaking of brands, Nike is the biggest, one of the biggest brands um, around. And uh, they just signed Colin Kaepernick. I don't know if they just signed them or if it was in the works for a, uh, for a while. But what are your thoughts on everything? Um, it's layered. I think that it's a great move for a brother who uh, has been without a job for a long time. And, you know, that you should never take away someone's ability to work. Um, and it's been hard, particularly when you're an athlete and you're of a high-profile caliber it's it's not like and i use this example it's not like he's jeffrey owens from the cosby show where he can kind of sneak in and work at at uh whole foods yeah colin kaepernick couldn't really work at a grocery store if he wanted to you know so i i think for colin kaepernick to kind of go in with nike and do that uh, i i think it's good however um i'll say this um it's great that nike is doing those things for colin kaepernick and it's great that uh nike is um Seems concerned, but when you look at the history of Nike, Nike has always been countercultural. The Colin Kaepernick is the face of the 30 year anniversary of Nike's Just Do It. And when you look at Just Do It and you just look at Nike at large, Nike, if you remember, Michael Jordan was wearing multicolor sneakers. Yeah. Getting somebody NBA, and it's been said that Nike would pay his fine. How ironic that 30 years later, uh, 30 plus years later, uh, now the NBA has allowed players to basically wear, wear whatever color sneakers they want. They just changed it this year, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. So you look at the impact of Nike. <clears throat> I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing because I may want to work with Nike one day. <laughs> but what I will say is, I the only issue that I have with Nike in this regard is where were they when it, when it first happened, and I'll leave it like that. Were they behind the scenes working with Colin? We don't really know, right? That's the that's the thing. Were they working behind the scenes? Were they cutting? In the words of the Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pop, the world may never know. But right, right, right. I just careful where you're not you're not doing things for convenience, but you're doing them because you care. But Nike is in the business of being a business. They're not in the business of civil rights. It just is the right place, right time. Where now civil rights is cool. Being maybe black is cool. I don't know, but I, I think at the end of the day, we the issue with Colin Kaepernick still has to do with police brutality and taking a knee. And I think at large, that's been lost in translation over the past two and a half years. Is it about the flag? Is it about police brutality? Is it about the knee? And I feel like the same people who were burning Nike apparel, whether it be sneakers or socks, which was paid for, by the way. Um, and then I hurt Nike because the money was spent. 
the same people that have issues with Nike about that, I challenge those people instead of burning their apparel, why don't they give it to the uh, veterans that they're so concerned about? Right, that would definitely make more sense, for sure. Yes, I don't sir. know. I don't know. I don't know what would motivate somebody to burn Nike apparel. Like, it doesn't even make sense to me at all. Well, I was on a show uh, on I24 News a couple weeks ago, and I, and I made this comparison. I said, uh, LeBron going to Cleveland, and, or excuse me, LeBron going to Miami in 2010 kind of sparked that whole burning stuff. But right, right. Again, you ain't hurting him. He's in Miami playing for the Heat. Look at the foreshadowing there. But um, I think when you really sit down and you, and you look at uh, the dichotomy of it, is it really that you're mad or is it that somebody is creating their own lane and their own destiny? People don't like when the people don't don't like the fact that people are or rather athletes at large are making decisions for themselves and not waiting for somebody to make them for him. And, and to be honest with you, if you go back in history, baseball player Kurt Flood made the free agency whole craze popular. You're ex- ex- exiting or ex- exercising your right to make certain decisions for yourself, just like Colin Kaepernick, whether you agree with him or not, exercise his right to um, make a decision based upon what he felt was right. And I think where things get lost is when you look at the 60s and the 70s, you had Bill Russell, you had um, you, you had Jim Brown, who were vocal. And I think as as money started growing and, and endorsements started growing, players became silent because they didn't want to mess up their money. But the sneaker companies got smarter because they realized, why not mix the brand with the civil rights and social justice and make it cool and make a make 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 campaigns around it. So it's it's kind of like. LeBron last year with all that Trump stuff and him and Steph Curry going back and forth on Twitter and players not wanting to go to the White House, it's all kind of come full circle. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about gambling and the NBA. I mean, there was always gambling in the NBA, but what's changed recently? Like, what's all the hoopla about? I think that um, I think fantasy sports and just commissioners of leagues being more lax right has allowed that to happen just like you're seeing slowly but surely with marijuana use and the big three kind of being popular now harrington being popular with that whole marijuana um whatever that program is right i I think when you when you talk about gambling um i I think just perception over time i think that gone are the days whether he did it or not of where you you have guys like Chris Webber, whether you know that whole thing with timeout in Michigan, and um, you know even Tim Donahue with the NBA. I think I think um, people have just become more lax, and 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 I think with the economy being the way it is, and and ten years ten years ago exactly, and and Saturday was the ten year anniversary of the biggest financial collapse in history, Lehman Brothers, and. Um, I think just with the changing in finances and changing of times, people have just become more lax. And I think um, whenever something is done on the black market uh, and companies aren't benefiting it, they shun it. And I think when you and a perfect example of this in our generation is, is, is music. Remember how it was such a big illegal thing, quote unquote, that downloading music from Napster was wrong? Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Well, well, now we have streaming services like Tidal, I, 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 Apple Podcasts. We have uh, streaming movies with 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 Netflix, and uh, I think over time, when people find a way to monetize those things, then 
it, it, people get lax and and you're seeing that in gambling, you're seeing that in marijuana, and you're seeing that in, in, in fantasy sports. Right. When big companies find a way to make money off it, all of a sudden it's not illegal anymore. Yeah, look at the NCAA. Now they yeah. they lessen their because I think they're just tired of all of these 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 blemishes and bruises to their to their name and their brand. So they're saying, hey, if you're an elite player, you sign with an agent. If you're an elite player, uh, test the waters. It, it ain't gonna hurt us none. And I just think that they're getting smarter. I think you know to that point about the NCAA, they're protecting themselves from when the NBA finally goes back to the high school uh, players coming back to the league. Yeah, you just you just mentioned Napster, music. Well, how do you feel about the current state of hip hop? It's morphing. I think that what you've seen since 2013, 2014, if you have a SoundCloud account, you you can and you have followers or you you can get a listen and I think what's happening is and I think you'll see it in 2019, 2020, if you haven't cemented a so a, a digital imprint by next year, 2020, you've lessened your voice a little bit in the sense of you, you had to rush to get, you had to hustle, excuse me, not, not rush. You had to hustle to get those write-ups in magazines. You had to get those mentions. You had to get right. those, 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 those verification badges, those, all of those things, all of those, those media. I think a good example of this is Cardi B hip hop and controversy and being on a, on a, on a reality television show uh, made her popular. And so everybody should have been moving like that, whether you put a team together, whether you did this or that. It's really not about, unfortunately, it's, it, it seems as though it's not about the music anymore. It's about how much noise you can make. Right. I mean, uh, people are people. People have more reach on Instagram than their actual music. A lot of artists now. But don't be fooled. There are still certain check marks that you have to have. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I use this, comp- this example comparatively to what I'm doing. Um, there are certain rooms and certain conversations that I that I can be in um, that others who are, can't be in or people who are older than me can't be in based upon who you know and who knows you. There's still a process of who you know and who knows you that you have to have. And if you don't have that, um, you're not you're not salient in uh, this industry. And I think the combination of who you know, who knows you, the digital imp- where you're being talked about. Who's talking about you? I mean, when, when you look at, you know, what's going on with me and the KD thing, I'm getting trolled daily about my KD piece. I'm, you know, there's YouTube videos. Do you, videos think, do you think that's it. a good thing for you? Yeah, I think it is a good thing because controversy sells. Right. Um, but I think people are also getting acquainted with my work if they're not familiar with me. And I think, you know, I, I tie that to, um, you know, this whole indie thing is nothing new. When you, if you talk about music, I use this example often. Uh, Jay Z's "Reasonable Doubt" was independently produced, yep, and, and was distributed through Priority Records, right? And right. and you know when he when after he after he put that album out and he had you know features with Foxy Brown and Mary J. Blige and a bunch of other people, he got I think it was a one or two million dollar advance from Def Jam after producing that. And so people who weren't familiar with him, I mean, people are still going back to "Reasonable Doubt" now because he changed his flow over time, but. Um, you see growth. And so I think for myself, um, people can now go back to my catalog and my library work. My podcast, Scoopy Radio, for example, is a catalog of interviews. I have interviews on, on my podcast, Scoopy Radio, uh, that I did when I was 12 years old. I had, I had in a Timberland uh, shoebox for me interviewing Dikembe Mutombo, BJ Armstrong, Scott Burrell, 
Keith Van Horn, all those people for when I was a kid, and I digitized them and put them on the podcast. That's how Scoopy Radio started. Yeah, I mean, you put a lot, a lot of work in for a lot of years. It takes a lot of patience and perseverance, and now you're starting to see the fruits of your labor. I think that's what sure. it's all about. And that's the thing. When you talk about the state of music, unfortunately, it's about the hottest trend and who's talking about you on social media. But a lot of people aren't in it for the slow-cooked meal. They want the fast food hit, and that's it. You look at the song, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. <laughs> it was hot in the beginning of the year. What, what is that guy doing now, Little Pump? People are coming and going all the time, especially now. Like People's lifespan in hip-hop is not long. For sure. If these guys didn't get injured, who do you think would have a better career, Penny or Grant Hill? Wow, that's a good question. Um, Penny or Grant Hill? Well, that's tough. <laughs> it is. It is because this is why Penny went to a finals. They weren't going to beat the Rockets that year. Um, and, and Penny, I'll say Penny and Shaq together were OKC okay. before OKC. If Penny and Shaq had stayed together, collectively, they would have been good. And they could have won some – they could have potentially gone to finals, but you still had Michael in your way. Um, when you look at Grant Hill, Grant Hill was a, was a stat stuffer um, in the sense of he was LeBron before LeBron, really, a 6'8 point guard, basically. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that that is a hard question to answer. I think team-wise, Penny would have been better. Stats-wise, Grant Hill would have been a monster. Got you. So more like, like Grant Hill would kind of be more like a Westbrook, stats-wise. Possibly, but I, I I can't compare them to. I would still say LeBron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, game wise, because of the height and the point forward vision and all that stuff, I see the comparison. And ironically, going to the Hall of Fame with Jason Kidd, I, I think he would have he would have put he would have had more points average than Jason Kidd, but but rebounds and, and assists would have been about the same. Yeah, I want to go back to your work. Um, you just did an interview with Demarcus. How do you think he'll fit in with the Warriors? I think he'll fit in. I think Boogie will fit in. He 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 uh, used a phrase of the year. I asked him about fitting in with the Warriors, and he said that that team is, is full of guys with, with, with great basketball IQ. He called them the Warriors. They're like Play-Doh. Yeah. Um, I think DeMarcus will fit in because I think this is a contract year for him. Um, and also a lot of people weren't checking for him based upon his Achilles injury and based upon his, the perceived – um, attitude problem that he has, which I'm not, I not. I just think he's probably just a little too honest at times, and he's not necessarily blended in or, or mesh well with certain folks in Sacramento. I think I also do think that New Orleans was his saving grace. I think that Achilles injury kind of messed things up, but I think as far as it relates to Golden State, whether he plays or not, he has a chance to win a ring, and obviously he wants to be a part of that process of winning a ring, but. It's not a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are going to win. I think people are giving him the ring before the season even starts. Yeah, so from your interview, is there anything you learned about DeMarcus? Or your thoughts have changed a little bit about DeMarcus? Or it's pretty much the same as before your interview? Well, I'm a little partial only because um, I know DeMarcus is high school basketball coach. And his high school basketball coach grew up with my father and my uncles. Oh, uh, okay. So there's that. So I, I kind of, I've kind of known about Demarcus since college and high school. Um, I'm pulling up the transcript while I'm talking to you um, because I've done a lot of talking, and I want to make sure that I give what we're talking about the due diligence. But the one thing about Demarcus that I really found interesting in interviewing him, 
um, was a question that I asked uh, concerning uh, transcending uh, big men or hybrid big men. And that right. Was Kevin Garnett and uh, Rasheed Wallace. And um, this is what I said to him. I pulled it up. I said, I played 2K for the first time. You know how they do the warm-up and it's the warm-up before the game. You know when you're loading the game on 2K and then they yep. are playing against the two NBA champions. So uh, I said it's the, the two NBA, the two champions from both divisions. So it was the Warriors and the Cavaliers. I said, I got a glimpse of you in the post. And first of all, you were kind of uh, fidgety. It, it felt like I was playing with Rasheed Wallace with AI handles and whatnot. laughing. <laughs> I said, where yeah. do you sit on board with the Warriors? He said, it's a team full of high IQs. He said, I believe everyone on our team has a very high uh, IQ when it comes to the game of basketball. All of us know how to play the game of basketball. We got guys with the same characteristics that it's like Play-Doh. You can mold them into whatever you want them to be. So then I, I followed up and I said, well, when I look at that team, the person that comes to mind in the last 20 years is, is Kevin Garnett, particularly when Chauncey Billups got hurt back in 99, 2000. I said, because he played point guard, but he posted up. But who I also, wait, who, who played point guard? Who would you just say? Remember, remember when Kevin Garnett was playing point guard a little while for Minnesota? I do not remember that, <laughs> to be there. honest. Really? Yeah, he briefly – I can't remember. I, I think Chauncey was on that team. Somebody was a point guard that got hurt. Got you. That's great. He played point guard for a whole game. Wow. Or for, for a stretch, whenever that – I don't know if it was Troy Hudson. Or that, was, that, hmm? that, was, that was forward thinking. Yes. <laughs> That's what's happening now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I said, he put, he played point guard, he posted up. I said, but I also look at you like Rasheed Wallace. Because, I, I you know, Rasheed could play inside-outside. Uh, right. Rasheed was a better defender at this point, though. But I, I said, if you had it to channel any two guys, Rasheed Wallace and Kevin Garnett to fit that team, who do you think you channel most to, to in, in playing in that starting five? He paused. He said, I think I could, could go wrong. I couldn't go wrong with either one. They're both champions. They're proven. They're elite. He's that. So you think he'll have a little bit like take a load off Draymond and have some of that role with the Warriors? Yeah, because I think Draymond is 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 a six eight guy that just fits in with shooters. Like the thing that helps Demarcus Cousins is the fact that he's a big guy. He can play down low. He can play up front. But he he creates the double team. And then when you create that double and triple team, who are you gonna kick it to? Clay and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make life easy for sure. Exactly. I mean, when you look at, for example, when, when you look at Dwight Howard, when he played in Orlando, Dwight Howard was basically playing with four guards and he was the only center on that team. I think that was the precursor when you, when you, but, but when you look at, when you look at the Warriors legitimately, DeMarcus can cause the double team, triple team, and then kick it to the corner. And Draymond can shoot the three too. He definitely can. I mean, Houston kind of had that, that thing where they had one big man and four around them, but they started more from the inside. You know exactly, and Hakeem yeah. and Hakeem has soccer player footwork. One hundred percent. Yeah, he was ridiculous. I, I think Hakeem. What gets lost in the translation in the nineties was how good Hakeem was because everybody was paying attention to Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller. Michael Jordan, Hakeem. Who's in your Who's in your top five? Who's your top five guys of all time? <sighs> top five of all time. Uh, Magic. You want to hear mine first? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to hear yours first. Okay. Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Bird, and Magic. Okay. I got Magic, Michael, Kobe, LeBron, and Shaq. Wow. So you you got Kobe over Bird? 
I didn't watch Bird. I'm going by who I watched. I watched well, that guy. Well, I like that. I like that because a lot of people will rate guys they didn't really watch. You know what I mean? Which I, is tough. That's inauthentic. I, yeah. I, I want to put Kareem in. Listen, my my experience with watching Kareem was seeing him on an episode of Full House when he showed Uncle Jesse the sweet spot. With the <laughs> I saw him on Bruce Lee. On that, <laughs> that Bruce Lee movie, he palmed Bruce's head. Put, put him on the staircase. But, you know, it's interesting because I talked to Dr. J last year and I asked him about just all of that, um, you know, greatest of all time conversation. And he said right. that that's going on um, forever. You know, Julia said that when he came in, um, there was the conversation comparing him to Connie Hawkins. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I know Dr. J because I feel as though Dr. J was my parents' generation's Michael Jordan. A hundred percent. He's underappreciated for sure. I, for sure. So I, I know of Dr. J through watching video and watching slam dunk contests, but that wasn't my era. I can only go by what I know. But I think what makes it interesting is um, I'm a guy that, like LeBron and like yourself, we, we watched a lot of um, classic sports. We watched a lot of definitely, you know, different things. So I didn't watch Dr. J, but I have a respect for Dr. J. Yeah. So that's how you feel about Bird, you're saying? Yeah, like I, I know of Bird through watching. Wait, wait, wait! Team. But you, but you, but Magic is in your top five. You said right. Yeah, my daddy was a Lakers fan, and my uh, mother was a Lakers fan, and I know that if there was no Magic, there would be no um, LeBron. There would be no Grant Hill, and see, I still got to watch Magic when he came back. Yeah, true. I mean, without without Magic or Jordan, there wouldn't be a LeBron. I, think, I agree, know, but the, but yeah. but then at the same time, you're right. Also, but then when I look at as I said, Magic, I want to put Jason Kidd on that list too. Over Magic, Jason. Oh, I mean, I don't even. I don't think that's that outlandish of a statement. Like, I I have Jason Kidd higher on my list than a lot of people would, for sure. Yeah, I think, and I think that a lot of times, like when you talk about rebounders, like you look at Dennis Rodman, he didn't score a lot of points. Dennis Rodman made it cool. He didn't score a lot of points. Dennis Rodman made it cool to get 20 rebounds and two points. And then you look at Ben, ben Wallace. Right. I look at right. Jason Kidd the same way. Jason Kidd may have gotten two points in the game, but he had 20 assists. And his, effect on the, his effect on the game was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, and the last time the Knicks were good was because he was there, even in his old age. He was a mm-hmm. big reason. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. And. And people people were talking about him and Nash, and Nash is a great player, obviously, but Jason Kidd was something else, man. Just his effect, like his imprint on the game. He has that, like, LeBron magic effect, you know? Just makes yeah, everybody agree. better, for sure. I agree. Uh, and it's, it's funny yeah. because um, when I was a kid doing my radio show with the Nets, I used to be in the NBA locker room, both sides of the NBA locker room, the Nets and the NBA locker room, and I would be on the court before games. And I remember when Jason played for Phoenix, and – he was on that on that squad with Kevin Johnson and Steve Nash. Steve Nash was Jason Kidd's backup. Right, right, definitely. And um, you know, I think Michael Finley was on that team and had a lot of talent on that team. And I, I just remember spending time with both those guys. And I just remember how nice of a guy Steve Nash was. Steve Nash was cool. I remember I grabbed the ball. This was before the game um, during shoot around, and, and the ball went out into the stands, and I grabbed it and I passed it to Steve Nash, and he shot it and he made it. He said, "The assist goes to you." <laughs> I mean, and everything, and good things happen to good people. I believe in that. And everything kind of went his way, you know. Like they took away the hand checking, the game got a little less physical. He had D'Antoni's system. Everything benefited him perfectly. 
and it was just amazing to see, like you said, a good guy like that benefit from it, you know, and win two MVPs. Yeah, I think that, and I think what gets lost in translation, I think everybody remembers Steve Nash as a as a um, Phoenix Sun, um, playing well, with, which is that right? No, yeah, right. I think of him as Dallas too, but you're right. I think of him in Dallas too. Yeah, I think people forget he played for the Suns twice. Right. But I think right. that the, the the people remember Steve Nash more for those two MVP uh, trophies and also what could have been in 2007 when they went against the Spurs and he got ran into that table by Robert Ory when he when he hit, hit him with his hip and he he was all bloody yeah. when he was a bloody mess. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I talked to Amari Stoudemire uh, last week. And uh, I, we talked about what could have been. And, you know, Mari talked a lot about, we talked about betting earlier. He talked about how much Tim Donahue played a part in that series. Um, and he also said that he legitimately believes that had Robert Ory not run into him, um, that the, they could have played the Cavs in the 2007 uh, NBA Finals and it would have been more of a competitive finals. Right. I read Tim Donahue's book. His, his take on things is that he never affected an outcome of a game win-loss-wise. Do you believe that? No, <laughs> I'm just telling you his side of the story. <laughs> I think he's trolling everybody. Yeah, I think so too. Scooby, man, um, what's in the future for you, man? You have anything to plug, and what what, what do you want to do with all this, man? I'm interested uh, well, to hear. It. Well, I, well, for those who are listening, in addition to everything going on, I'm actually on the my player mode of NBA 2K this year. Hey, I saw actually bumped into you at the 2K event. Yeah, man. You you everywhere on the low. You talking about me. You on the low. No, everywhere. no, not like you. Not even close. <laughs> I, 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 we'll stick with that. You stayed on the humble. But um, All right, all right. <laughs> as far as what I want to do with this, I mean, I want to be paid handsomely for, for doing what I love. Uh, they often say you, you, never, you never work uh, a day in your life if you're doing what you love. Uh, and, and right now I'm doing what I love. I love basketball. I fell in love with it in 91. I played citywide basketball when I was a kid. Uh, my family ran a sneaker store in Harlem and, and, and a shoe store in Harlem and was around all these players as a kid. So I've always been comfortable around athletes. Um, and I think that for me, um, breaking stories, I actually hate it. I, I like interviewing more than I like breaking stories, but right. what I, what I, what I, cause it's too much of a headache, but, um, so I why do you, so why do you do, so why do you do it? Because um, I have the information. People don't realize that information and, and, and is, is your currency, is your gold. Um, and when you have information and, and it gets to the masses and you're cited, that only makes you more valuable. I, a mentor of mine said this to me this summer, uh, Ian Eagle from CBS. You have to make yourself uh, in demand. And, and, and slowly but surely, that's, that's what's happening. You know, there, there are, I've, you're about my fifth or sixth interview I've done this week based upon my tweet. And it's an honor. Uh, it doesn't matter how big, how small. Anytime I have an opportunity to talk about basketball, a game that I love, um, I, I think it's great. And I think sometimes with basketball, I think a lot of times people now look at it like WWE or look at it like it's gossip. Like, aside from all that stuff I'm reporting, I love the game of basketball. And I think that I think that, that gets lost in translation sometimes with everybody trying to be the first to report. A lot of people do this because it's a job. I love, I love basketball, man. Yeah, I mean, and there's accuracy in what you're tweeting. I mean, with Space Jam, we'll see with KD, but, I mean, everything is uh, on point. So that's a good thing as well. Man, and, and you ask me where you can find my stuff. I mean, Scoopy Radio, you can get it on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher Apple. You can simply visit ScoopyRadio.com. 
Uh, and then uh, I'm a senior writer at Basketball Society. So Basketball Society uh, is, is a site on the rise. Uh, shout out to Martin Surrey, the founder of, of, of Basketball Society. And in addition to that, my blog. My, my blog is on scoopb.com. Uh, stuff with you know Kevin Garnett uh, told me that uh, he thinks Derrick Rose can be a starter for the Timberwolves this year. Timberwolves, they got a lot of stuff going on right now. But um, Right, right, with yeah. Jimmy and everything. Yeah, so um, you, you can check that out. And I, honestly, man, um, anytime that I, I can come on and talk about basketball with a basketball head like you, you're well-connected in, in New York, and, and I only see your brand expanding and growing, continue to be you. I like your socks. I need a pair of those. I but, got you, Scoop. I got you. you definitely be hooping in some Cabo socks soon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Scoop. You're always welcome back, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. There it is, episode 26. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big shouts to Scoop B for joining in. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, write on your Apple Podcast app. And while you're at it, if you listen to this episode in its entirety, leave the keywords Space Jam right in the comment section of your Apple Podcast app. Be on the lookout for episode 27. Combo out.